met before and isn't it wonderful when the sun shines honestly isn't everything better when the sun shines it's great um, now we are our, our July series is is based in the books of 1 and 2 Timothy uh, in the New Testament now these were probably the last uh, couple of letters that Paul wrote and he chose not to write to a church as many of his other letters were but actually to an individual his, and he, he chose to, to, to write to his younger protege a guy called Timothy um, hence the name of the books and he was leading at that time the church in Ephesus and Paul he writes to Timothy to give him some advice give him some direction to give him some fatherly encouragement about his faith and, and in his leadership of the church and Lara last week if you were here she gave us a really excellent overview um, of the series and she encouraged us to you know just like Paul to to get involved in passing on faith to the next generation to get involved in discipling others um, it was really great and just encourage you to catch up on the website if you missed it last week it was really good but our passage this morning is from the very end of Paul's first letter to Timothy. And, and just at the very outset here, I just kind of want to say, as I've been thinking about this topic this week, as I've been looking at this passage and preparing this message, actually, as I've reflected on it, I thought, actually, God, thank you so much. Because, actually, I felt such an incredible gratitude for the ways in which this particular passage of Scripture is being lived out in this church community. Um, I'm not going to kind of embarrass people by naming people about kind of this, but actually I, I do want to say, actually, I hope this morning that we're really encouraged by the way in which God is working. And actually for us, we might as well be inspired to kind of double down, to, to kind of have new uh, resolve, um, to, you know, to fight the good fight of faith, which is one of the kind of famous lines that Paul uh, gives to, to Timothy. So we're going to head into 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it's just a couple of verses towards the end of the chapter, and Paul says this to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Let's just pray for a minute. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I want to thank you so much for the, the way in which we see this at work in our church community. Thank you for the way in which you're at work. But Lord, I pray that you would call us deeper still. I pray, Lord, you would call us deeper still into your ways and in your purposes. Be at work, Spirit of God, today as we respond to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, Ephesus was a really kind of wealthy city. And so it's quite likely that in the Ephesian church that Paul had in mind when he was writing to Timothy, that actually there would have been some kind of reasonably wealthy people in it. And, and so that's what, you know, this, that's what the context is here. Now, I have to confess that until a few years ago, I'm not sure I could have told you this passage was in the Bible. I'm not sure it was very familiar to you. Have you ever, you ever liked that with some passages of the Bible? You think, well, why have I never read this before? And I, I remember the time a few years ago reading it for the first time, and it just kind of jumped out at me um, as if I was reading it for the very first time. And I don't know, you might feel the same. Because as we read this, this kind of first line here, it says, command those who are rich in this present world. And, and we might think, ah, oh, okay, I can skip this bit. 
I can skip this bit. You know, I, 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 you know I'm not rich. Uh, you know, it might be for that kind of other guy over there, but I'm not rich. Um, I, and so, you know, we can end up kind of almost like ignoring what's said in this passage. Um, but here's the thing, and I think you know what I'm going to say. Uh, here's the thing. By the world standards, most of us, if not all of us in the room here, and those watching online as well, that we are very rich indeed. Someone earning the average UK salary after tax, that's, that's around about 21, 22,000 pounds after tax a year. Uh, they are comfortably within the top 3% richest people in the world. Put another way, you know, it, it, let, let's just imagine that, you know, you're here. Well, you are here. You don't have to imagine you're here. But just, just imagine that actually everyone in this room kind of represents the, the population of the world. Now, that, that, that kind of means if you've got the whole population of the world is in here, then probably you are the richest person in the room. You are probably the richest person in the room. Your income would be around about 13 times the global average. Even someone who earns the, the UK legally mandated minimum wage is in the top 7% of people in the world. Now, of course, we don't want to ignore the fact that in, in the UK, that actually poverty is a very real thing. Um, you know, it can, it's probably sort of closer to home than we might imagine. It might even be that for you, you're kind of struggling in various ways at the moment. But, you know, especially with the, the cost of living crisis, with, with food poverty, with energy poverty, with homelessness, with unemployment, those are very real uh, issues. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful to the many, many people, many of them are in this room, who, who actually have given their lives and given the best years of their careers to kind of serve people who are vulnerable, to serve people who are poor and in need. But, but actually, the truth is, for many of us, and I am absolutely speaking to me and reminding myself of this, that actually, I just need to be reminded to keep things in the right perspective. Because if we're sitting here with clothes on our back, if we have the prospect of returning to a home and we know that we can have another couple of meals before we climb into our duvets this evening, then, then actually we are somewhere between rich and very, very, very rich in this world. Now, uh, so, so we need to listen to this passage. Now, a few years ago, it was about three years ago, um, the Marsh family, we went to South Africa to visit Hands at Work. Hands at Work are one of our global partners, and we visited two of the very poorest communities in the world, a remote community called uh, Bandeni in Eswatini that we, we particularly partner with, and another called Hootboss which is pictured here, which is just on the border of Eswatini and, and South Africa. And in Hootboss, we had the opportunity to, to meet with some of the, the local care workers that are living there. So here's me with, with one, of the, one of the care workers. And I, I was asking her a bit about her life. And, and she was kind of, you know, with this big smile on her face, she was kind of talking about the, the small hut that she lived in. She was uh, talking about the kind of the one hot meal a day that she was involved with a team in helping to prepare for all the orphan children who visit the kind of rickety uh, care point that, that was there. And you know what? Then she turned to me and she asked me about my life. That was a bit of an interesting uh, answer. It was really hard to kind of know what to say. She, she was asking about my life and my house and my family and my community. But imagine this. Imagine if I had started talking to her about, you know, that I was feeling a bit under a bit of financial pressure. You know, that, that actually we've just finished this extension on our, our house and, and actually that the flights to get here were really, really expensive. And well, we're still hoping on our summer holiday this year. Can you imagine me trying to have that conversation with her? It's unthinkable, isn't it? Um, 
you know, there's, there's something that's not quite in perspective as we think about where we are. And so for many people, you know, we are very, very rich by the world standards. But you know what? It doesn't always feel like it, does it? It doesn't always feel like it. It doesn't feel like we're rich sometimes. Dave Ramsey, um, he's a, a New York Times bestselling author. He's a personal finance, finance guru. He's also a Christian, follower of Jesus. And he, he says this, you probably don't feel rich. Rich is the other guy. Rich is having more than you currently have. But you can be rich and not feel it. And that's the problem. Most of us are richer than we think. We, we're just not very good at it. It's one thing to be rich. It's another thing to be good at it. And I think that that's at the heart of Paul's uh, message in this, in this scripture. That you might be rich in this present world. And in fact, you probably are rich in this present world. Uh, but it's possible to be bad at it. And it's possible to be good at it. And so courtesy of Paul, how to be good at being rich. I'm going to think a bit this morning about how to be good at being rich. And firstly, this. Choose to put your hope in God. Choose to put your hope in God. Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides. And it's a, this is a theme we see all the way through Scripture. It's something that Jesus spoke absolutely loads about in the New Testament throughout the Gospels. And you know, one thing he said, you, you'll recognise these words, he said, no one can serve two masters. Uh, you cannot serve both God and money. You know, Jesus recognised that, that money and wealth, they can have the tendency to become like a God substitute in our lives. It can be some of a preoccupation for us. And we, we can be tempted to put our hope, to put our faith in money. We can be tempted to believe, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody, we could be tempted to believe that, that actually, uh, you know, if we could just kind of make enough, if we could just have enough, then, then actually we'd be able to control our circumstances, that we would be able to kind of create a, a better, more secure life. You know, I, I reckon if, if, if we were to ask a financial advisor how much money that you'd need to, you know, secure yourself against all future um, eventualities, you know, what, what, how much do you think they'd say? They'd absolutely say more than you've got at the moment, wouldn't they? They would absolutely say more than you've got at the moment. But the problem is this. The more we place our faith and our hope in money... Actually, what Jesus says quite a lot is that actually the more it ends up controlling us, the more it ends up kind of mastering us. And instead of kind of God being our, our master and the one who we obey and the one who we follow, that money kind of takes that substitute, that, that place. And so it's good to keep asking ourselves as we, as we read this passage, um, as we get ourselves familiar with it, are we pinning our entire well-being and satisfaction? Are we, we pinning our sense of purpose in life on, on a particular standard of living or having a buffer in our bank account? Because there is a futility in that logic. You know, money and stuff, it can be gone in a moment. You know, Jesus talks about, you know, where, uh, you know, investing a treasure where, where moth and where rust destroys and all that stuff. Actually, in the grand scheme of things, money is temporary. We can't take it with us when we go. You know, Paul says earlier in the chapter, he says, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. And so Paul encourages us to look at money really, really differently. And he says, you know, we, we need to realise that our lives are better if we instead we put our hope in God who richly provides. So that's the first thing. 
How to be good at being rich. Choose to put your hope in God. The second thing is how to be rich. Choose to live with margin. To live with margin. Why is it that we see all the time, you know, pretty wealthy people being declared bankrupt? Why, why do you think that is? Why, why is it that actually it's pretty common, and, and you might, this might be true of you, that actually you, you kind of feel financial pressure even though you've got more money than you've ever had in your life? You know, why is, why is that the case? A little earlier on in this chapter, Paul says this. It's really, really quite strong, this, this stuff. He, he, he says this. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's all great. It's all right. The sun's shining. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. It's really strong, isn't it? And yet, I think so profoundly true. There's something about money and stuff in our, in our materialistic world that, that often leads people to say, I want kind of more of that. I want more and more. And, and that's why Paul says, you know, the kind of the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That, that might seem a bit extreme, but we do see the impact of that in our world, don't we? We, we see the fact that actually money really is at the root of modern day slavery. You know, money is at the root of the pornographic industry. Money is at the root of, of child exploitation and, and drug abuse and the abuse of political power. Somewhere down the line, money is involved in that, where, where, where actually kind of money becomes more important than people. But actually at a smaller level, at a more individual level, you know, an eagerness for more is, is often kind of behind people living kind of way beyond their means and, and kind of just really kind of pushing things and stretching things, causing kind of financial pressure and causing debt and causing kind of strain. And, and Paul's words here, you know, pierced themselves with many griefs. He, you know, making it clear, actually so often with money, these things are self-inflicted and we see that in the world so much. And it might be for you that actually you're, you're kind of under a period of, at the moment of financial pressure. It might be that that's all kinds of external circumstances around you. Or it might actually be there's a kind of, you recognise, Dan, there's not been some great choices. There's not been some, some great things there. And I believe, and I'm really, really sorry to put a graph in front of you. I'm so, so sorry to put a graph in front of you. But I, I really believe, I really believe in life that actually being good at rich, sorry, being good at being rich is about being good with kind of living with a bit of margin. It's not maxing out your standard of living um, as your income goes up, but actually it's leaving some margin, leaving some uh, breathing room to, to kind of rather than live life on the edge of financial disaster all the time, is to kind of leave a bit of margin, leave room to love God, leave room to love people. So yeah, sorry about that. That's the graph. Um, Thirdly, how to be good at being rich. Choose to live like a steward and not an owner. Choose to live like a steward and not an owner. Being good at being rich, it starts with the realisation that it all belongs to God anyway. That actually it all comes from him in the first place. You know, the psalmist says, we might be familiar with those words, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Our role is as stewards. Our role is as stewards. We are to be faithfully looking after and using well what belongs not to us, but belongs to God. And verse 17 of our passage says this, God who, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, 
Well, I think one of the bits of great news in this passage is that God isn't down on money. God isn't kind of down on the stuff that money buys. He's not down on on us enjoying the good things of life. You know, that's what it is to be human. It's what it is to be part of the created world, to enjoy the world around us. Um, And yet, actually, as stewards, we're called to use it well. And, and actually, when we, when we recognise that it belongs to someone else, actually, we look after it well, and we recognise that actually that comes with responsibilities. Now, I think what Paul is saying in this passage, you see, talks about a God who richly provides us with everything, is that actually, if you're rich, you really don't need to feel guilty about it, but you do need to feel responsible. You don't need to feel guilty, but you do need to feel responsible. And what's that responsibility that comes with wealth? Well, the fourth, fourth thing, how to be good at being rich. Live generously. Live generously. Paul says in, in verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. The message puts it eloquently like this. Be extravagantly generous. Now, just to lower the tone very, very slightly, um, here's, here's a quote from someone which is very profound, I think. Money is like manure. It's not good unless it's spread around. How can we be good at being rich? Spread it around. Do good. Be generous. And I just want to say, we are part here of an incredibly generous church family. And I know that many of us here will have stories of of experiencing the generosity of other people. And I know for me, that's definitely been the case. There's, There's someone here as part of the church family, I'm not going to, you know who you are, I'm not going to name you, but every time you go to a charity shop and you see a cycling book, you buy it for me. And so my, my, my shelf at home is full of cycling books and it's wonderful because that is, cycling books are my love language, pretty much. You know, someone, someone else a few weeks ago from, here from Hargrove, they turned up on, on my doorstep and they, they had a gift for me. It's the best Tour de France souvenir guide and wall planner that money can buy. I mean, it's just amazing. And let me just say, I want to be generous too. So if you would like me to talk you through... <laughs> The Tour de France, stage by stage. If you would like me to talk to you about the favourites and show you the route profiles, and uh, then I would love to share the love. I'd love to be generous. I am willing to share. You know, a, a few years ago um, at Highgrove, there's a family. Uh, they moved away now, but but actually, they always used to plan every Sunday. They were planned to have twice as much food ready for Sunday lunch as they needed for their own family. You know, they, every Sunday what they'd do is they, they would either, either they would have invited someone in advance to come to lunch or they would actually just come, turn up to church on Sunday and say, Lord, who is it you want me to invite? Uh, who do you want us to invite around for lunch today? Who's in need of a bit of encouragement? Who's in need of a bit of fellowship together? And they would then invite them to lunch every Sunday. And, you know, they planned to be generous with their time and with their table and with their food um, in that regular way every week. And, and actually, we, we catch wind of, of tons of people part of this church who are just like that, who are kind of just being really generous with uh, themselves. And it's, it's not a public thing. It's not a big song and dance. It's not something that people mention from the stage very much. But, but actually, uh, it's a wonderful thing, rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. But you know, what's really interesting here um, is that Paul's instruction it's, it's not this kind of inspiring encouragement I mean it is an inspiring encouragement but actually these words here command them command them it's almost as if he's kind of saying generosity it's not kind of like something that you know we should just kind of do if we feel like it actually it's a must it's an essential responsibility of being rich 
And of course, what we know is that we live in a, a world of desperate need. We, we live in a world where, where over 8,000 people die each day because actually they've got diseases that, are prevent, that would have been preventable if they'd only had a vaccine. You know, we live in a world where around 1 billion people don't have access to, uh, to clean water, sources of drinking water, or have kind of basic sanitation. What we also know is that that problem could be fixed with the amount of money that Europeans spend on ice cream every year. Um, you know, it's not straightforward. These things are complicated. But, but actually, at its heart, the solutions to many of the world's needs are, are rooted in this. It's a generosity and a willingness to share. There's more than enough to go round in the world. And, and actually, one thing we know as followers of Jesus is that we are part of that solution. We are part of that solution. But uh, how should we go uh, about that just as we come into land? Um, you know, should we wait for a kind of a wave of generosity to, to fall upon us um, as we kind of reflect on, on Scripture? Well, I know for many people here, what's wonderful is that, you know, you, you kind of have made a pre-planned, a kind of a premeditated decision to live with generosity, whether it's something a little bit like that, you know, a bit of a plan to invite people over, or, or whether it's actually with how you manage your finances and manage your money, and that's really fantastic. We see lots of that. You know, just to get really practical, you know, for, for Deborah and I, you know, with our finances, how do we plan to be, to be generous? So, um, yeah, just kind of three, three, that's four. Three, three ways that, that we kind of try um, and do that. The, the first way is that we, we, we decide to give to local church. So we decide to give to Highgrove. We decide to give into the general funds of church because actually doing that really regularly, it helps us as Highgrove to show the love and generosity of God to the world around us. It helps us to... Uh, to, to, to help people to grow in their faith and to grow uh, in kind of, yeah, fellowship and being cared for here. It helps our children to be discipled. And actually, we'd love people to be sharing in that too. And so, you know, there, our website talks a little bit more about the practicality of that. But that's, that's the first thing. We give to local church. But also one thing we do is we give to some sort of wider world needs in particular situations. You know, we, we sort of choose every month. We, we give to the the Highgrove Global and Local Mission Partnership Fund. We sort of say, that actually, this is one way we can impact the world. We, we actually give a bit to, to Hands at Work in the Bandeni community that we partner with. We, we also um, particularly have a desire to give to the persecuted church, and we do that through open doors and, and see kind of many ways in which we can see the impact of our generosity all around the world to people who need it most. But then thirdly, there's this thing. Um, we, we, we plan to have a little bit of responsive giving. We, we ring fence a little portion of our income each month. And, and actually, we, we kind of say, God, we just want to respond to your prompting kind of here. And actually, there might be something that comes up. There might be something there. And actually, well, from time to time, we, we kind of talk and we pray about who we can give to. And something comes up. And I tell you what, it's a fun little game, actually, to be honest with you. It's quite fun. As you, we kind of sit there sometimes and say, it would be great to give that. Let's pray separately about how much to give. And let's see whether we come up with the same number. See whether God says the same thing to us. And it's really good fun. It's great. It's practice listening to God. But actually, you know, it's just, just deciding to, to choose to set aside a little bit of money to be generous. To choosing to set aside to be a little bit flexible to, to help. And so, as we finish, how to be good at being rich. You can be bad at it, but you can be good at it. And Paul encourages us to be good at it. He says, and, and we're saying together, put your hope in God. Choose to, to put your hope in God rather than money. Choose to live with a little bit of margin, whether you pull up the graph or not. Choose to live with a bit of margin, a bit of breathing room in your life. Live like a steward and not, a, not an owner. 
We don't need to feel guilty about being rich, but we do need to feel responsible. We do need to, to, to realise that it is a trust that is given to us. And then finally, how to be good at being rich. Seek to live generously, rich in good deeds, being generous and willing to share. And Paul says that in doing so, you lay up a treasure for yourself as a firm foundation in the coming age. One day it will all be gone. But we will, our generosity will last into eternity. And Paul says, so that you might take hold of life that is truly life. The world wants to talk to us about life being all kinds of things. But actually, there's, there's, a, there's a true life to take hold of that we can do as we, as we take some of Paul's commands around generosity. So I'm going to pray for us. And, um, and I just want to encourage, I'm going to encourage Sarah and the team to come up. Um, and actually, I'm going to encourage you to stand. Um, to stand with me now. Actually, one of the things that we do when we stand is, is it's almost like a, a bit of proactive, I'm doing something. Um, I'm not just going to kind of sit back, but actually I want to kind of step forward. I want to, to come towards you, God. And, and what I just want to do is just pray, pray for us. Um, and as we go into worship, I just want to encourage you to reflect a little bit on Paul's words, to reflect a bit on what God is saying to you uh, this morning. Um, it might be that f- f- for you, it's a very kind of personal message of, oh, actually, I, I, I want to kind of make some new decisions about generosity. I want to make some new decisions about living in a different way. Actually, it might be that you kind of think about the needs of the world around you. You think, actually, Lord, what can I do? Um, it might actually be for you a time of real financial pressure, and you would really value the Lord breaking in. You value the Holy Spirit speaking into your situation. And, um, and we would love to pray for you this morning as well. So, so actually, as we, as we worship, there'll be, I think, um, a couple of people just uh, standing, prayer ministry team standing on the, um, at the back. And they would love to pray for you um, about any of, anything at all that we've either talked about or not talked about. Um, but I'm going to pray for us now and say, Lord, thank you so much that you're a good God. Our God's generous. He gives to all of us. He holds nothing back. He pours out his love. And I want to thank you, Lord, that we have experienced your generosity in our lives. And Lord, I want to thank you so much. As I look around this church family, I'm so, so grateful for all the evidence of your generosity and the evidence of people being like you through living generous lives. But Lord, I pray you would speak to us afresh. We want to go deeper still. We want to embrace even more of what you want for our lives and what you want to do in us and through us. So I pray you'd speak to us now. Holy Spirit, you'd be at work. You'd help us, Lord. Where um, perhaps, for, perhaps for a few of us, we, there's a real kind of fear around money. There's a bit of a kind of a heaviness and a, um, just an anxiety. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you come in the midst of the storm. You come with your faithfulness, with your steadiness, with your hand of mercy and love. And I thank you, you come to, to steady the boat in the storm. You, you come to assure us of your presence. Thank you, Lord.